All right, we back at it. Homegrown Radio, live and direct, man. In the A once again. Shout out to Generation Now. Yes, man. Shout out to my brothers, uh, Lake. Yes. Shout out to Drum. Shout out to Don. I yes, uh, appreciate the hospitality. We're here with a legend. A legend. Chuck Dizzle, DJ Head, of course, man, with a, a Grammy <laughs> Award winning. Uh, One of the founders. Multi platinum producer, by the way. There's a, there's a lot of multi. <laughs> Writer, you know producer. And, and responsible for uh you know a, a genre not too many producers can say that you know the pillar of trap music oh yeah we got the one and only dj toon dj man how y'all doing gents man good, thank man. you for being here yeah. i appreciate you Welcome i just to my want... beautiful city man hey i love it let me tell you something let me <laughs> see something about atlanta this I... has nothing to do with, with this have nothing to do with music <laughs> come on man let's <laughs> cover it all if we do you know shit to do with music okay <laughs> i've never had bad food in atlanta oh yeah yeah it's hard it's, it's really so is. hard to have bad food. I go to New York. I ain't never had good food in New York. Wow. Keeping it real. Wow. Just being her, you know, my, my New York homies. They gonna be on your ass. They don't man. like that Ooh. shit. But it's the truth. Yeah. In, in Georgia, I done been, I done been all up and down through the whole state. I've never had bad food, and it's so refreshing to be down. And how it, long has that has had that been since as since I've been coming here? Like, back. So let me tell you, the way that you've been feeling for all them years yeah. is that times ten now because. For the past, I would say for the past two, three years, it's been like a major rise of black restaurants. Really? So, yeah. Man, it's about 20 different brunch, Sunday brunch, yeah. black owned restaurants in Atlanta right now. Just came within the past two years. Yeah. I'm talking about in Atlanta, in Gwinnett, in the north side, south side, all over. Like it's and that's the new shit that's popping now, man. Can't nobody touch our cuisine. Bro, I just here, wanted bro. to get that off because yeah. Shout out to DJ Louis V. Took a shout to Louis V. Spots, man. man. Oh yeah, a couple of spots, yeah, man. We was just like, oh, it's a gang of them, man. Amazing. Yeah. And this is only in a short period of time since we've been here. This is my second time here. He's been mm -hmm. here multiple times, but just yeah. walked away with like, damn, this. You mess around and gain some weight down here right, with some right. Sunday oh, brunches. My diet is fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's what I can't do is you. I've been I've been off fried food for a while now, uh, and it's so hard to eat breakfast. Ooh, how do you with, do that? Nah, I mean, I, I, I violate every once in a okay. while. I, I, I still violate I though. Do that, yeah, but I just got to work. That. I just got to you know make sure it don't get a crazy. Better balance. I'm about to be fifty four. So, you know, gotcha, the older gotcha. we get, we got to change that shit up. So Not, DJ Tone, you know, man, where, where does the story begin for you, man? I, obviously, we've done our research. We know you know okay. you, you started in the eighties. You understand, like yeah. uh, that so but i want to know like prior to that where does the the the, the story of dj2 come as a producer as well, a music head um all of that okay people. well i'm gonna say really um growing up you know in the house with both my parents my mom you know she's from sparta georgia so she always looked country girl who knew how to sing mm -hmm. and my dad could sing very well and that's how her and my dad met like my dad used to be on the corner singing with you know doing the do what they yeah do it while I was yeah. on the corner uh -huh. and while she was going she go to school and she was like oh that little short dude right there he, he got sing his butt off like yeah that. you know <laughs> and then, so she's seeing out there almost like every other morning they'd be out there singing and whatnot so and then um, she ended up meeting uh, Jackie Davis at the time which is my aunt and when she went to see her at the house she was like oh. She's like, yeah, this is my brother. It's like, oh, her brother happened to be the little the guy dude that she singing. was looking at. Like, oh, yeah. Wow. And they met and boom, you know, Jeez. they made my sister first. Then you got me. So music was always in your household. Music was was, was it ever pushed on you to actually do music or was um, it something you picked up? It was um, it was just around me. It wasn't pushed. Mm. But um, once my dad saw that I was interested because he was signed to Buddha Records. He was in a Word. group called the MVPs. Wow, wow. You remember Buddha Records? You know, I think it's, I, I it's heard. a little label with the Buddha on it. Uh, the Impressions, Curtis Mayfield, Gladys yeah. Knight on the Sheesh. Pips. Everybody was on Buddha Records. Wow, yeah. Wow. So uh, if you now that I mentioned yeah, it, you'll I'm say, a, "Oh, I seen that little right. Buddha sitting yeah. on the record back in the '70s." Mm -hmm. So yeah, he was, um, and it was signed through his baseball player. They was managed by a baseball player out of Oakland, named Don Clendenin. 
back in the day. He was signed as a as a what? My dad was an artist, an lead artist. singer, rapper, singer, a, singer. Oh, no, singer. lead singer. Yeah, my dad was rapping. Hip hop fifty years old, man. Yeah, that would have been, been the shit now if he could rap back then. But yeah. um, so he was the lead singer in the group. So from um me being what three, four years old, watching them rehearse and whatnot, they they'll perform at churches. Then they'd go do live performance. I started really just watching them practice. I was like, oh, shit, I learned about harmony and everything. So by the time I was six years old, I knew how to sing. 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 Yeah, yeah. You know, I knew about three, four part harmony and all that. But boy, all of a sudden that hip hop showed up, mm. man, around like 78, 79. So when hip hop hit, were you already playing or? Nah, I was just dropping needles and just listening to records. But okay. I was just in love. First of all, I was already in love with a lot of soul records, you know, Tower Power. Earth, Wind, and Fire. I can hear that in your music. Yeah, yeah. So I was influenced by a gang of those. So that's why. Um, but even when I was looking at album covers back then, I was trying to figure it out. Like, But I never knew I was going to be DJing nor producing. So DJing is what really, really started. started. Yeah. And um, and what started the DJing is when I was going through the crates, just playing records. And sometimes I hear a certain part. I'm like, man, what if that part can go a little bit longer? So I put a tape deck in and start messing with the pause button. Next thing you know, I started getting better and better at timing, like, okay, boom, boom, half a beat. So I understood counting beats back then, wow. just even with doing pause mixes. And I find other records. Next thing you know, I started buying records from the uh, record store because I was cutting hair. So this is like seventh, eighth grade. Damn. I started getting into pause mixing. And um, shoot, next thing you know, I'm making mixtapes, man, with one turntable and, and like tape deck. Was, so was mixtapes already a thing? Or you, or like, in, I'm talking People, about the South, like, well. From, the only the closest we get would get with to mixtapes is we'll record like a mix show, cause um off the off the radio yeah, and you yeah. might have it on tape. But yeah. then you know some people used to get New York tapes, you know from up north they'll make it down here. But so basically the pause mix started from when you let's say if you uh, wait for a certain song to come on the radio, you have your boombox on pause and record. Mm -hmm. So when that song come on, you wait till the DJ's finished talking and be like, okay, boom, now I got it. Before you was able to actually go buy the record. Yeah. So. It got to the point where I started having so many good songs on this one cassette. And I was like, you know, I was the only one really buying records, had a real record collection. I started just saving my money, going to the record store like every every week. I buy something with profile records. I see Sugar Hill records. I just go by the label or whatnot. So, yeah, start doing these pause button tapes, man. And, and that's when I start understanding the whole count of music. You know, you got the intro and the structure of songs. And man, it started beating on the desk. That way I knew I had crazy rhythm before I was making beats. I always wanted to be a drummer. Mm. Next thing you know, shit, man, I get in the studio, start playing with a little drum, drum machine, hitting these pads, a DMX, drumulator, all kind of little old stuff. How were you getting access to that? Because we were talking <laughs> yeah. about well, a second ago. Well, that was late on. And uh, well, once people, well, my DJing is what really got me into the. the, the when did you start DJing? 81, I mean, 82, 83. Okay. So hip-hop so was, was already booming. It was already hitting. Yeah. yeah. So I was mixing records back Is hip-hop the reason you started DJing? Yeah, definitely. Word. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Definitely. Then, then so when once hip-hop was like, had a, it was, it, it's in full swing. Right. You started DJing and like, how'd you, how'd that come, like, were, they, were you already known for doing all the parties? Yeah. I were started you, doing parties, okay. mixtapes. So that was, I was a crazy hustler, man. Parties, mixtape, selling candy and cutting hair. At the same time, all oh, that shit I was, was going to ask you that because I heard you mention it about yeah. you know, being a barber at. <coughs> Excuse me, yes, sir. Yeah. Gee. So, what, what did that 
where did that inclination come from? Like being a businessman and getting that money, being man, a hustler. My, my dad, my dad was a hustler. You know what I mean? So I watched him and my uncles, man, they just do their thing. You know, they had stores, they had pool rooms and, you know, we had police came to the house looking for all kind of numbers at one point. I didn't understand what numbers were. Right, right, right. Your dad was running numbers? He was running numbers and all that. <laughs> running numbers. What? Any other hustle you could think of. What's the wildest hustle that you could think back on that you were a part of? Like, damn, I can't believe I was doing that. See, me and my dad was moving it. The numbers. Yeah, we're moving it. Oh, okay. I don't, okay. Yeah. I don't want to drive magic club, but drive But I don't know. <laughs> I know the, I know that they started lot doing lottery because people were running numbers. Yeah. What does running numbers look like, though, from... I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to break out a criminal enterprise, but I'm saying, what does that look like for people who don't know what that, what well, that is? Well, the number game, you know, it's, it's an old school, if you watch certain old school movies, it's like, um, it's like sometimes it can come from the stock market. There'd be a number that say, hey, five, six, five going to drop. You know, you had grandmoms and everybody who was playing numbers or whatnot. And so you have the number man come around and get numbers from different people. So you just pick a random, any number or you pick, what's the, well, where does the number come from? What's, what's that? Like when man, like, I never really knew that game. Oh, okay. Yeah, like okay. that's what I said. They came to my house looking for numbers. And, oh, and okay. later on, once I start understanding, the, seeing the number game. But yeah, a lot of people, I still don't know really don't right, understand right. that shit. Because okay. I was wondering, like, uh, I don't know if y'all ever saw that one movie where um, I think it was Malcolm, Malcolm X. X. Yeah, 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 he was running numbers. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. that's and I really because my parents really they still didn't explain it to me. But when I saw that, I was like, oh, oh I kind of get that now. Okay. He's telling you this number dropped or whatever, but I don't know where those numbers come from. It may be from the stock market or something. But Got you. Like I say, from growing up with a hustler, you know, my, my pop and my mom always had a good, hard, hard work at one moment. Pop, he was that guy who was out here really on that entrepreneurial stuff. At, Got you, know? you. And then, so you were doing the, you were doing the DJ thing, you rocking the parties and mm -hmm. doing the mixtapes. When do you feel like you got your break as a DJ? As a DJ? As a DJ. Um... Yeah. Once I start having a rapper rapping while I was scratching, and that's this guy named Raheem the Dream. Yeah, you know? shout out to Raheem. So yeah, I was uh he was like what, Raheem's two years older than me. So when um I was in the tenth and he was a senior, that's when we put out our first record, song called Raheem the Dream. And I did the beat on it. I did the artwork on the label and everything, man. Because I've so been you, drawing and painting and shit. When too. you you say you made the beat, so what? Where were you making beats on at that point? Well, at that point, first the first drum machine I touched was a Doctor Rhythm. Little joint, man. You could buy it from the store. We used to ru run it with our DJ uh, routine. Mm -hmm. Me and this other crew, uh, the uh, ATL um, ATL crew, was named my DJ crew. And it was a part where we break down. We have a beat. Just put a beat in the um, in the little Doctor Rhythm and start scratching with the beat. And the crowd used to just go crazy because they used to hear me scratch with records, but to hear a whole another beat that's just been made on the spot and scratching along with it. So that's when I understood just beat programming alone. And um. Shoot, man, by the time I got in, like I say, from playing around with that, when I got in the studio, once I saw play, stop playing record, and um, I didn't even know how to MIDI back then. I just put two drum machines on the same BPM, but I knew what sound I wanted. So the drumulator, which is made by MU, MU created the SP-1200, the e E3, and all that, the Emulator 3. So before SP-1200 or anything, it was a drumulator. And uh, who used that? They used that on Pee Wee Herman. Uh, Tears for Fears, Shout, <coughs> the Boogie Boys. Y'all remember the Boogie Boys, Fly Girl? A Fly Girl, yeah, yeah, Fly yeah, yeah, yeah. Girl. They used to drum that that too, and then and um and uh drumulator and a DMX, and the DMX was used by some of everybody, especially mm -hmm. R and B and rap. And some of the old school rap was done on um, DMX or either the uh, Lindrum. Mm -hmm. And when I linked those two together, man, and Brian put his rhymes to it, and 
Next thing you know, man, we had a record on the radio covering the Southeast. Shit, you hearing it like four times a day. Talk about that. The first time you hearing your song on the radio, man. man. What, what was that like? Couldn't tell you yeah, it was like five heartbeats. Remember everybody <laughs> woke up like, oh shit, right. we on the radio. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um Is that your course, arrival um, moment? Like, man, man we that's, made that, it. Honestly, that's one of that's one of the I made it moments, going back to your question, is when I first heard the song on the, on the radio. radio. As a producer and DJ, because I was actually scratching on the record too. Yeah. So I put all my skills on that joint, man. Who taught you how to scratch? Did you just learn? Man, believe it or not, I um well first what made me really want to get into it is when I was uh I just happened to be up late watching uh I won't even say late, I was caught sixty minutes. And they was talking about the movie Wild Style, mm -hmm. and they showed Grandmaster Flash in the kitchen with his turntables on the countertop. And I was like, oh man, I'm gonna hold the pause button, but that looked like that's the real way to do this. Because mm -hmm. I saw him spinning stuff back and dropping a needle. I was like, oh. Yeah. And I was kind of dropping the needle at home, because if I'm doing the pause button, I move the needle back. Mm -hmm. Like on Planet Rock, gotta rock it, don't stop. Now I put a needle, yeah, I gotta rock it, don't stop. So I used to make it go, stop, 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 stop. And I turn the record level down to make it sound like it's echo. Stop. Get the fuck out of here. You know? Oh my God. I tell you, so from getting that kind of innovation out of a tape deck, mm -hmm. I knew <coughs> once I got into a studio, it was there. Like, yeah, so. you and already so, had it. Yeah, I knew I had it, man, straight up. You know, and it might sound crazy, it ain't arrogant or nothing. I just knew I had it. Did Were your so, parents supportive? Hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, my dad bought me a belt drive turntable and mom had me a direct. One was a, a Marantz and the other one was like a Techniques belt drive. Were they ever like critical of hip hop? Because, you know, you know, you, you see this from one generation to the next. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> but that ain't real music. music. This is just just loud, boom, bap. You know, they always have the critical of it. Were, were well, they critical well, I'm gonna tell of you, hip hop? Want me to tell you what brought the critical part of it for real? Was Messing from, up they, 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 uh, probably their records. <laughs> a little bit of that, but my whole thing is we were looking at it like it was brand new. Mm. Folks been rapping since the 60s. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You, there's, there's some old stuff out there right now, some footage where you'd be like, oh shit, dude was really rapping then. Yeah. But my dad was like, oh man, rapping been around here. Y'all mm. acting like that shit just came <laughs> out. That was his thing. He wasn't really hating on it. He was just like, man, why y'all treating it like it's something new? Right. Like it's old. But I'm like, man, I ain't, ain't no records like I got down here that's yeah. rapping like that. And he's like, no, nah, those are older records. He's like, and honestly, come to find out when they was really rapping, they weren't really pressing them up on phonograph records. That was just stuff that people <coughs> were doing live. Oh, wow. Yeah, some, some, do, do, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were rapping, though. It was like cooler rhymes, you know what I mean? More like, you know, bounce, you know, jingle type right. rapping, but it was rapping. But, um, and I would say, man, once I even just learned the words to rappers delight, that's when I knew, like, man, <laughs> I this hip hop this. shit. I think that's everybody's first slew. Yeah. When I heard I, that. But then, see, but then we had the underground radio stations, WIGO and WALK. So on the AM stations, that's where you hear most of the stuff that hadn't really made it down here yet. So I was listening to some Treacherous 3, the Crash Crew, all that stuff. You know, everybody else was still on Sugar Hill Gang and Grandmaster Flash. But I was catching a lot of the underground stuff just by listening to AM radio late night or whatnot. Who was FM the, wasn't who, really rocking like that. Who was the early, who was the, oh, my bad. No, who was the early like uh from the south from a south perspective? Who were like the early people that was really making noise from a hip hop perspective? Well, the first person, um, eighty one, eighty two, eighty two, eighty three, more eighty. Well, I'll say between yeah, eighty two is a guy named Mojo. Mojo. Mojo's still around here, man. Still showing his face. Um, he's yeah, he's the one who's the first Atlanta rapper, the first person to even put a record out. First Atlanta rapper. Mojo. First Atlanta record. Or did, rapper. Was he embraced by the community, by the people? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. Okay. But at that time, it was, like I say, it was mostly AM radio. Yeah. 
And uh, <clears> he had a song called I'll Let Mojo Handle It. And then he had another song called Jump, Stump, and Twist. Well, Stump and Twist, they had Jump, Stump, and Twist. And so it's like, by the time FM started really popping and started playing like, you know, rap music, he was one of the first. But it still took a while just for the people to just truly embrace him. But yeah, Mojo, I got to give him his props. He Do you remember when, when rap first hit the radio in Atlanta? Um, Because I remember them telling the stories about when Hot 97 first started in New York. But I never heard from a from a Atlanta yeah, perspective. So we, well, LA, we had we fit fifteen eighty K Day. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. so we know about K-Day. that story. We know about yeah. you know the hot ninety sevens, but for from from an Atlanta perspective, like yeah. what what were you guys listening to? Well then? we had well we still have W uh V one oh three and they used to have certain time blocks. Yeah, like a block, like hey, we're oh, gonna have a rap show. Yeah, right, you know, right. we're gonna for these few hours. Right. Yeah, y'all better <laughs> Yeah, y'all better tune in for these few hours now. We're gonna play y'all a little rap shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and then we're going to get back to this real right. straight RB, straight yeah. RB. You know how they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, um, so V103, yeah, they were playing it, but then they had to, had to have, uh, this guy named, um, Daryl Fears and, uh, DJ Flash, and they used to have, like, this little rap thing, like you say, for about two hours. But then Kiss 104 came into play. Um, and they started having this rap show on the weekend, man. They was playing all kind of underground stuff, and they really started taking over um, as far as, like, really supporting rap because when me and Raheem put our stuff out, Kiss 104 played it before V103. V103 called on later on, but 104 was where you would really hear our music playing, like, five, six times a day. I want to go, I want to talk about your introduction to, like, full-on studio producing, right? Okay. Um, you already could play. You could DJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were already producing records since you was in high school, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to go to that transition where you figured out, I'm going to do this full time. I'm not, You have you ever had a regular job, nine to five? I tried it. He was always <laughs> a hustler. He was always a hustler. I so tried you it. Never had, you, hustler. You've never had a, like a regular job? Only time, man, I got a regular job um, and it didn't last. And I, that was still through a temporary service. I went to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, man. It was on Fortin Industrial. And I went down the street, man, and um, and so it was like the first first day I went, we were just stacking, you know, the regular weekly paper. Then another time I went, we had to stack the Sunday paper. So the Sunday papers usually be about that thick with all kind of coupons in it. Man, and you see little skinny women in the warehouse just grabbing these stacks and boom, lining them up perfect. I'm talking about like books, man, but me, mine was kind of wobbly. <laughs> and so the supervisor came, you know, standing behind me, breathing hard. <sighs> Mr. Davis, we got to do better. I said, man, there's a lot of stuff in this paper, man. <laughs> man, I, I was like, man, once they were just breathing down my neck, I, that whole feeling, I was like, never again. This is not me, bro. Yeah. Shit, man, when it was time for lunch, I caught the bus and went home. <laughs> I never came back, man. I Are was you like, serious? Yeah. Uh, that was the same day? Yeah, the, the second day, yeah. Second, second day. day, yeah. So you literally, so you've worked two days? Two days in my life, yes. Uh, you know what? And everything I, I, else has been like self-employed ever since then. Bro. I gotta salute you for knowing in that moment, like, yo, this is not for me. You know what I mean? Because right. some people will try to just work it out and work, work it and out, lie to themselves. But knowing that, like, okay, nah, I know. Yeah. So when when you walked away from that, the music thing, it was like, man, I know this is the thing I want to yeah. do. Because I knew what if I really applied myself, even just DJing alone, I could, you know, because I was still, you know, my name was still out there. Mm-hmm. And I just had to really push myself out there, just get more DJ gigs and just start spreading myself more than just the Atlanta region. Yeah. And that's when I started DJing at uh, different like high schools. Cause first it was just the Atlanta public school. <clears throat> then I started hitting schools in the College Park. 
on the east side, you know what I mean? I knew, yeah. a, you know, it was like a, it was like a neighborhood thing. Yeah. So kind of like around y'all way, you know, yeah. you got, okay, you got to know somebody on the east side because, mm-hmm. you know, if you, you, know, you don't gather, yeah. gather around your turntables and try it. Oh, you know yeah. I mean? How yeah. much, how much do you remember getting paid to DJ back then? Oh, well, at first, I'm going to tell you, I was getting like $50 a night at first, like little house parties and whatnot. But then once I got my song on the radio, oh yeah, I was getting like 150. Yeah, He's like, I'm, I'm hitting for, yeah. I'm hitting three, for this 150. Yeah, three times. 150, yeah, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> start saving more money, getting more records. Then we start getting some little speakers and whatnot. So yeah, by 10th grade, man, I was a beast on that DJ. What did you get the name DJ Toon? Man, Toop was a nickname. It's a nickname that my sister gave me when I was a kid, bro. It was Toompy at first. What is, Toompy? What? Yeah, what is that? I don't know what she thought about. She's five years older than me, so I don't know what was on you her You ain't mind. never asked her? No, she was just, it's my little Toopy. I'm like, what? Oh, it's a little pet name, name for you. Yeah. Your government like, day has nothing to do with, like, I thought yeah, it was a name. Yeah, I'm Aldrin Davis. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, as I got older, I took the Y off. I was like, you know what? Yeah, I went we to all kind of damn DJ yeah. name. I called myself Specialty, DJ Cutmaster T. Mm-hmm. And I started putting old names on flyers, and nobody showed up at the parties. And my, it just took one person to say, man, you need to go, just go by DJ Toon. And next thing you know, when the flyers came out, wow. they were like, who the hell is DJ Specialty? Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, ain't nobody showing up. And I put Toon on the flyers. That's when everybody starts really? showing up. I'm like, oh, shit, that's Toon. Isn't that crazy how something that was given to you, you kind of walk man, away from, run it, away man. from it. And then he's like, man, once I take this on, embrace people it. embracing me it's as my me. entertainment name. That's now. amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah, where DJ so. Head come from. They just made right. fun of me. Yeah, so. there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's what you it talk is. about my head. Yeah. So I almost got a, <clears throat> got a could have had a DJ head name too. But yeah, man, that's where it come from, man. It was actually a nickname my sister gave me. I still give her props to this day. Well, Love now one other thing before we kind of move on, because I know I, I want to hear about some of these tour stories, because ah. you know, I know you toured with NWA, Ice T, um, two live two crew, live crew, two and live we, crew, Poison Clan, Goody yeah. Mob. And we gonna put a pin Luke, in that. Yeah. I got a question about that. But just one last thing about the region, right? Being being from Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, when you're seeing hip hop evolve again, we we kind of know the story on the West Coast in terms of like where what we perceived as what was going on, right, mm-hmm. on, on the East, and, and as hip hop started, did did you guys look at it in terms of like, man, we have to make a name for our region as well, or is it just like, man, we just wanted to embrace hip hop? You know what? Yeah, at the beginning, we just wanted to embrace it. Okay. And uh, I would say around, nah, even in the 80s, in late 80s, it still wasn't a thing of trying to push our region. Mm-hmm. We were just really just trying to get in the game for real. Got it. But believe it or not, we realized that we had a sound, mm-hmm. which was, because, you know, at first, when you think of the South, you know, um, I think more like on the West Coast, y'all caught on to the Shadis and the two live crews mm-hmm. and whatnot. And then that's when I found out, whoa, everybody's up tempo because you got Pretty Tony, then you got Egyptian Lover. They right. was running neck and neck right. in the 80s, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so Pretty Tony, that's he's that's Miami. Mm-hmm. Fix it in the mix, Debbie Dale, but he just back, back to back up tempo records, around mm-hmm. like 125 BPM. But then you had, like I say, Egyptian Lover. And y'all had McCola Records as y'all distributor. Like everybody Damn, was distributed yeah. in the West Coast mm-hmm. by McCola Records, from Ice <laughs> T to King T, mm-hmm. everybody. Um, Egyptian Lover. Mm-hmm. But then down here, it was a lot of independent labels, like in Florida. You had Suntown Records, you had Luke Skywalker Records, mm-hmm. and um, Base Station Records, you know, because it was a lot of big time, you know, hustlers down there mm-hmm. just starting labels um, or whatnot. So, and it was like almost the same thing that was going on around y'all way was happening down our way. But in the South, like I say, it was more of the booty shaking. Florida had caught on to as far as having a stamp of 
an identity as far as Southern music, because everybody was like, oh, you know, that's that up-tempo shit, yeah. you know? And then they started calling it booty shake. Then they started calling it bass music. Yep. Well, it was bass music, then it was booty. Then they, as it got faster, because mm -hmm. at first the BPM was like 128, like I say, 127 to maybe 130. But then they started getting faster, like boom, catch, 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 boom. That's like 140 BPM. It started turning to booty shake. The strippers started working <coughs> to that. And that's- Created that lifestyle, yeah. Yeah, open up that lifestyle. But, but you still had the cats on the southeastern region, which is uh, Tennessee, Three Six Mafia. Mm -hmm. They had 808s in theirs, but it was more slower, like a crunk type thing, because you know it was a lot of gang activity in Tennessee. So they used to have a gangster walk. Yeah. So everybody, and later on, as we got older, we started seeing like, okay, the South do have a sound, but everybody was on the 808. You know what I mean? New York cats, mm -hmm. West Coast, Texas. So one thing everybody had was the 808 drum machine, and that's what we all had in common as a whole, just as a whole country. But we use it in a different way. Everybody freaked it a certain way. Egyptian lovers still can play some 808 beats that program an 808 like no one else. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, the actual 808, you know, the drum machine. Right. Not, you know, then later on we start sampling the sounds from it, putting it into the SB1200. Mm -hmm. But as far as programming that 808, I know Egyptian lover, Pretty Tony, and my man David Hobbs, Mr. Mix, That's who's from crazy. California. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. what really taught us all about the drum machine. So. The South, I would say, it's not nothing that we really stuck our head out to say, hey, we're going to put us, ourselves on the map. We just, it was like, a, it was organic. It was pretty organic, yeah. you know, as far as you being able to identify a Southern record, West Coast record, you know what I mean? Even Texas, you start hearing their style. Oh, damn, yeah, you know, it was yeah. a, little, a lot slower, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And like I say, 3-6 Mafia was slower, but Georgia and Florida, we was crazy up-tempo. Wow, bro. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I want to put a, I want to come back to the BPM conversation, because I'm always having those conversations. I'm in the studio okay. a lot with artists, but, yes. and I, I'm a, I'm a, somebody called me, shout out to my boy Gabe from, um, I think he's from Baltimore. He called me a, a BPM god or something he called me. I don't uh -huh. remember what he called me, but it was dope. Um, but speaking of the Florida movement, right? Mm -hmm. And then we talk, We also talk about you going on tour with Two Live Crew and all these mm -hmm. people. Um, Freaknik. <laughs> Story, is, huh? Freaknik is now like, I, the documentary shot to JD. Yeah. But the, the and Luke. Yeah. Uh, and Uncle Luke. And the, man, that whole movement. I always thought Freaknik, to be honest with you, growing up, I mm -hmm. never knew it was a real thing. It was uh -huh. like, it was like mythical folklore. Like. That you, it was like one of them things, kind of like when Suge Knight hung Vanilla Ice over the balcony. Yeah, like, yeah, you, yeah one of those. Like, like, yeah. But there's no yeah, camera yeah. phones to prove gotcha, it. Gotcha, you know gotcha, what I'm saying? Yeah. Freaknik was real. Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole doc coming about it. But from your perspective, um, I just one, I, I definitely want to hear a story. But two, uh, <laughs> being on being on tour with 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 them with that in those individuals, right? has to be some of the most legendary shit I've probably, you could probably ever oh, imagine. Man. I'm glad you get it. Okay. Because I, I, <laughs> yeah. I've heard the stories. Yeah, it's been a, it's a lot. I've heard the stories, but so like I said, there was no, no, news. There was no yeah. camera phones. Yeah. So like, I mean. So I can tell you this. I don't know if most people don't remember, but uh, I think I tried to Google it and it's nowhere to be found now because of um, In Japan a while back, I don't know if y'all remember where Luke had got head on stage. Yes. I do yeah, remember. a lot of people don't remember that. Yeah, that I remember actually that. made headline. That made news. That made world news. Yeah, I remember that. Yep. And when that lady got off stage, they put hands on her. Oh, Who did? The, the yeah, just the, the people, people. Yeah. In, in Japan. They yeah. was like, yo, you really belittled us. You made us look bad. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, she got jumped on. Yeah, yeah, they mobbed her Damn. real bad. Yeah, she got on stage and entertained Luke in front of everybody shit. on stage. 
So did he finish? No. Nah. <laughs> oh, it was just a, was just a thing. Was just a, <laughs> that's, a man, that's a man question. You know? Did he bust? <laughs> that was a man question. You know what I'm saying? Did he bust? I just, I just, you know. Oh, shit. Why, why would you start a job you don't complete? But see, one thing about that whole that that that, that tour life, man, and um, man, it's like things. That I don't know if it's the same now. I mean, now you know, man, I'm in my fifties. It's hard, it's hard to get me on anybody's tour right now. But um, the women were so cooperative, man. You know, they just just excited to really be close to somebody who they seen on MTV or BET, and um. Now, you know, you got a superstar. It might be sitting right next to you at a game. It ain't nothing. Yeah, oh, shit, man, that's such and such. But back in those 80s, in the 80s, the first person where I really saw with a gang of groupies following them was uh, uh, LL Cool J. Word. And it was after one of the concerts, man, at the Omni Hotel. It was about like eight bad bros following him. I'm like, man, what are you about to do? <laughs> and my boy was like, well, I'm right? they went I'm going. And we was like, yo, what's up, man? He was like, yeah, what's up, man? Y'all good? He went on, he had the red Kango, went upstairs, took them women with him. I right. said, So he oh. went he went in the room with eight. Yeah, he had a few of them following him. He no telling. It, it might have been eight. It might have been for him and Bobcat and the rest of them. But <laughs> But it was eight. It was at least eight of them. <laughs> that be love. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What? Oh man, shout out to Bobcat too. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, for man, sure. that's my guy. Who he really that's one of my influences mm. too, for sure. Bobby Irvin. So sure. when you with okay, being on being that tour life, I know like gotta be insane, but do you remember anything that, that specifically you were there for <laughs> that that may or may not have impacted you. You know what I'm saying? Hey, like, man, I remember uh, well, we, we performed at the uh, Apollo in New York. That's when I was DJing for Luke. Okay. He had I Wanna Rock Out. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was a girl who used to, he used to keep on tour with him, man. And she would just uh, get a random person out the audience and just give him head right on stage. Wild. So she would bring him on stage? Yeah, she was a pro with it. She knew how to put the condom in her mouth and everything and, whoop, and just go to work right there. On stage. That was yes. part of the show? Everybody who was hot, yes. Let's say it was around 93. So any artist in New York that was hot around 93 was standing backstage looking. Latifah, everybody. Was like, That's crazy. We rock New York crazy. And I'm on the turntable looking at them like, yep, that's yeah, how it go down. So look, he going to be in the documentary as a DJ. Though. Yeah. That's how it go down. Yeah, exactly. ain't no telling. You might see some oh, of that. Yeah. A lot of people Cause I was DJing for a lot of different folks, man. Yeah. I was on tour with everybody. But, um. But them loop tours, man, it was, it's like I say, man, it was just days of after the show, the hotel lobby just be full of women, man. All, all. What varieties. was the Freaknik, though? Was it? Was, oh, Freaknik? No, I'm saying, I was like, I, okay, I'm going to give you my perception okay. as, a, as a millennial, right? Okay, okay. So the Freaknik to me, we, we have these things that we do called traveling parties. Okay. So you got like trap karaoke, like shout to Mouse Jones and that whole team, mm -hmm. or you got like grits and biscuits, or you got at least... These parties, uh, Duce Palooza, like mm -hmm. different parties, and they're like, they go to different states, and it's it's a party, mm -hmm. but they go to different states and cities, and they do their their version of whatever their party is. Okay. They're like traveling uh, parties. So like the day okay. parties you were talking about, the brunches okay. and whatnot. Well, see, okay, I, I got you. And well, I, It wasn't like that. Well, I would say what I, what I would compare Freak Nick to mm -hmm. is, you know how people, what, Memorial Day, they used to go to Miami? Yeah. Mm -hmm. On the beach, yeah, and then break. Um, Virginia break. Beach, yes. Yeah, uh, spring break was uh, uh, even Daytona was real hot at one point, and then um, I think Myrtle Beach. Mm -hmm. Then people started hitting Virginia Beach. That was like in the late '80s, early '90s. It was big time hustle. That was they like moving dope from Miami to VA back yeah. then. So all that traffic, you had party traffic, but then you had plays going yeah. down too. So VA was the place. But 
So from having all these spring breaks and all in these different places based around water, that's one thing that we don't have here is Facts. a beach. Yeah. If we did, ain't no telling where the hell we. I mean, be. Savannah. Yeah, I got. Yeah, but Savannah just it wasn't Atlanta. You <laughs> right, know what I mean? Right, right, right. You know, Savannah is still respected for the ports more than anything right now. So, I would compare Freaknik to those holidays, to those spring, spring breaks. breaks. But that was our version of it. But <clears throat> you know, of course, it's backed up traffic amongst all those type of events. But ours was just about, hey man, just pulling up at either John A. White Park, you know, which is a park off Cascade where everybody used to go to. But as it as it started growing and people started coming from all over, you know, we we went from seeing Florida tags mostly, um, of course, Mississippi and folks came from the Carolinas. But as it got bigger, by the time we got to 94, 95, you start seeing Michigan tags. That's when Meech and them start coming That's down crazy. through here. You start seeing players from um, uh, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, you just start seeing different tags, letting you know that, man, it's folks from all over the country coming down here for this event. Because, you know, Atlanta, home of all, some of the best strip clubs, and then just the whole Southern hospitality. It wasn't no gang activity or nothing. Everybody knew they were safe. They could come down here and really kick it. It was a real safe haven and just fun, man. And, and there's a lot of people who really didn't know what Atlanta was about. You had a few New York folk, New York people was here too. Right. So you got a lot of people from different regions who might've thought Atlanta was like on some old in the heat of night, in the heat of night <laughs> yeah. type shit. Yeah. Country just, Yeah, just right. a country and like, nah, you know, and, 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 and shout out to all the country right, boys right. too. You know, I'm a country boy to a, to a degree. There's more but, than that. But yeah, it was like, yo, we had more to offer. So, and once they start seeing that, man, it just took for one person to come one year and it was, as long as it was happening, it was just going to, eventually grow. So 94, 95 was the biggest years of Freaknik. And that's when um, Piedmont Park, which is one of the biggest parks in Atlanta, in Georgia right now in Atlanta. And man, I would say 94, it was 94, 95. Anybody you could think of that was hot and touched that stage at Piedmont Park. It was Biggie. Really? Lil' Kim, everybody. All the rappers from all over just got on that stage just to perform because the system was incredible. The park was so packed, man, you couldn't even see the grass from an area of view, man. It was crazy. It was like a festival before festivals. A big fest, ah, yeah, yeah. huge fest. And and not just even in that park, just the whole city was full. So whatever street that was congested, the women, and if you see that the traffic is not moving, boom, and you're playing your favorite song or whatever, let's say you pull up with a sound system and the traffic is just packed. gridlocked. The women just jump out and start twerking. Wow. crazy. And that's when it, turned into that. Everybody was like, how they just go get out in the middle of the street? No, the cars wasn't moving. So what to do? Let's just make a party right here in the street. So that was happening in downtown. It was happening on Campbellton Road, on Georgia 400. That's crazy. Yes, Georgia 400 actually had gridlock because everybody was trying to get to Lennox Mall. Sheesh. And they closed the, the exits up. And matter of fact, we had a toll booth back then too. So they routed everybody to, to the toll booth. Atlanta might have made so much money oh because they blocked the, the Lennox Mall mm-hmm. exits off to where you had to go through the toll. Taxi. But So just think the expressways were even packed to where women could just get out and jump on the hood of their cars and just go crazy and do whatever. Yeah, did you ever? Kept their clothes on yeah. and some pulled their panties to the side <laughs> and just gave you a, a whole show. show. You know? Wow. Okay. And I'm they figured, sure. guess what? And they figured, like, hey, I'm not from here. Right. Then nobody I don't know anybody up here. You again and, well, you had a few cats with these. The cameras, big, right. 20 years later. And that's what they're afraid later. of right now. <laughs> right. Those are grandmoms out here, you know, who was showing their, you know, the yeah, private We were part. just talking about that. Imagine, like, somebody's grandmother right now. Yeah. Like, hey, yo. Yeah. Documentary. Yeah, 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 that's you. That's you, yeah. Nana. I 
I saw you on set in Japan. You got that same shirt right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Since we're talking so, about early memories, touring and things of that nature, man, mm -hmm. what was your first memory of like NWA and Ice T, man? So obviously, us being from LA, um, <laughs> you know, coming out here to the West Coast or just touring with them in general. Like, yeah. Um, we obviously know the groups that they are today, but back then, when you're running into them for the first time, do you have any early memories of? Yeah, I met yeah. uh that's when uh NWA the whole group was together. It was mm -hmm. Dre, Yellow, Easy, Ren, the whole squad, Cute. man. And um ran into them on a few occasions, man. Um, but I remember in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, man, that boy Easy E had like ten women waiting outside this hotel door, bro. Really? And all of them wanted a shot at Easy, man. And I'm talking about they wouldn't even get in line of they weren't checking for me, they weren't checking for Shot D. Flavor Flay was even trying to get there. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, chucking them in the S1W, they would never mess with it. Right, but right. Flav used to come out and kick it with us. <laughs> like, hey man, we finna get Flav some of these bras. Yeah, Flav, yeah, Flav was with the shit. Yeah. And um, he couldn't even get the girls out of line. Mm. Everybody wanted they turn with Easy man, and Easy come out up to the door in a robe or whatnot. Next. That is cool. Next. next. Yeah, next. He would say next. Yeah. <laughs> hey man. Oh, shout out to Compton. Shout out to Compton. Man. Right. Like, okay. And then when I was like, I was like, yo, we used to get our little share of Goobers, but boy, these Cali niggas on some other shit. Let me ask you this then. So when you see something like Easy, and obviously Luke, if you had to compare the situations you see from one to the next, because you say one outranked the other one, it was kind of like just the same. That's crazy. Both of them CEOs too. Yep. And they was out on the road with the artists. That's old school for real. Yeah. The CEOs touring mm -hmm. with the artists. Mm -hmm. I miss them days. Um. I only caught easy on that one incident, but Luke was kind of like a black Hugh Hefner for mm. a minute, man. You know, like he could just raise a finger, man. They'll do whatever. Right. It's like, yeah, he, he was like a, I was like, wait, Godfather Hugh Hefner shit. That's really? Then, yeah. That's of course he wasn't married. You know, he was a real yeah. single, single player that game, you know? That's correct. You, I yeah. mean, you got stories for days. I want to oh, yeah. jump into some of the production. I want, I mean, you are credited on, on the internet. I don't know if you know this or not. You, you probably do. You're credited as one of the the founding fathers of trap music. Yes, sir. Do you own that? Pro do you own that proudly? Do you embrace that? Do I you... get it now. I, I embrace it. You At embrace one point, it? I was like, "Yeah, for real, y'all think so?" But then after I did a research, I was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, let me, let me wear that jacket, man. Let me wear no, it yeah, well, I, and I definitely agree. Like, yeah. I mean, because that wasn't even a thing mm -hmm. when I was growing up. It didn't right. exist. Right. And now it exists. It's a whole genre. Of a whole genre. It's a I, whole billion and, dollar. Bro. Everything. Uh, my first question about it, I mean, well, I want to get to the to the T, the T.I. shit and all mm -hmm. that, but my first question about who who came up with the name Trap Music? Well, the Trap is, you know, just known for just uh, any spot, you know, a location where right. hustling going. Right. On, you know what I mean? Um, when we did on the first uh, album that was released on Arista, uh, the I'm Serious album. Yep. Um, Main the first single was uh I'm serious, produced by Pharrell, Neptunes. Had uh Beanie Man. But um the leading the biggest record off the album was a song called Dope Boys in the Trap. Yeah. I produced that one. Yep. And um, you know, crack a key across my knee, do it fifty more times, thirty go for nine and a half, go for nine. So he's just talking about trapping and being a dope boy, dope boys in the trap. Mm -hmm. And from that song being like the biggest song off the album and just covering the whole southern region, like everybody wanted to hear a tip produced. I mean, performed Dope Boys in the Trap. And by the time um, we left Atlantic, I mean, we left Arista and got with Atlantic, it was time for a new album. And since Dope Boys in the Trap ended up being the biggest thing, and uh, we started doing like these mixtapes called In the Street. 
So once we saw the formula of what the public really was embracing and the, the style that they was like really loving from us, we stuck to that. And next thing you know, Tip was like, man, we're going to call this shit trap music. So Tip came up with it. As far as the song, the album title, yeah, trap music. Damn. Yeah, yeah that came from Clifford Harris, brother. <clears throat> then when, so when, so when he came up with it, did, did it make sense to you at the time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it made sense because it, 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 we noticed that, damn, it is a sound that we have that everybody wants. You know, yeah. people wanted him on their records, and they used to want my production at the same time, you know, or either my production or either or they wanted our flavor, our cuisine, you know, what we was bringing. And um, shoot, man, I just embraced it, you know, pulled the horns in and just a lot of live instruments and, you know, um, bass lines, organs, heavy. and just start, yeah, throwing the drums in and just rapping about trap shit, about getting money and hustling, you know. Yeah, and it was just yeah trap music. There, what when when you guys were putting together the trap music album? Because I feel like that one that that obviously I mean I'm serious. We all know yeah. that didn't work out with Arista right. and like we all we have heard that story. Yeah. It's still some people favorite. That's what's funny too. It is. Yeah, some no. people love I'm, no. I'm serious. No, yeah. that's not it. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm just being honest. Oh, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I'm from yeah. LA. But one of their favorites. I won't say the favorite out of tip. But yeah. what I'm saying is. When trap music came out, I remember um, hearing it for the first time when it came out, and I didn't know who Tip was like that. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, we in LA, like right. you gotta, it gotta travel. This is before yeah. streaming services. Yeah, it take a minute. Yeah. YouTube, like yeah. this is hard copies, right? Yeah. CDs. So when it when when trap music finally hit LA, it was kind of like, what the fuck is this? Right. right. <laughs> like, yeah, I love it. Was that the reaction that you guys were getting initially when it first came out? I mean, yeah, because you got to think, because straight up, even when Dope Boys in the Trap had uh, popped off on the first album, L.A. Reid didn't know what the hell we were talking about. He was like, y'all want to do a video? He didn't want to do a video to it because he didn't understand what Dope Boys in the Trap was. Wow. So, yeah, even he didn't get it. Just, just think, I actual CEO didn't even understand this Facts. shit. You know, like, and why is this song so hot? After he heard it, he was just like, oh, okay. You know, L.A., you know, he's mostly an R&B cat, yeah. so. Um, in the southern region, it wasn't really too much of people scratching their head. It was like, oh, we get it. Right. Because, you know, it was like. It's the a lifestyle. Yeah, it was yeah. a lifestyle. <clears throat> but, um. Going up, I can imagine going up north and Midwest. Start yeah, coming. it took a minute for them to catch, but when it caught, it caught. It caught, bro. Yeah. And um, people started really hearing do rap skills, you know what I mean? It was like, okay, he ain't just really no bouncing ball right. rapper word, word for word. This man really know how to go toe-to-toe with the greats. Go toe-to-toe with yeah. rap patterns and everything. Mm-hmm. His flow was impeccable. That's that's what really made me embrace him and take take him under my wing is uh, when I heard him rapping because I was trying to work with like three or four artists at that time. Got like, you. He just wiped everybody out. What so made just, you, what made you, what made you draw, What outside of the rap skills? Because mm-hmm. it takes, to me, I would take work ethic over skills any day because you yeah. could, you know you could coach. Yeah. But what was the initial thing that drew you to tip? Like, well, like you say, the work ethic, his skills, and the fact that when we start hanging out, this man, uh, I used to pull a few bras. You know, when I get out, man, this man have a pocket full of numbers. Like, so he's like what, almost ten years younger than me, but spitting some game, like had some real slick shit to tell the women, man. Yeah. And then you know, so I, so more, so I was like, okay, you know what, man, this dude, just move the room when he come in. There's something about something him about that, him. yeah, he, I knew he had the star quality then. I'm like, man, this right along with his talents, like this is a superstar right here. Like, I know he can make it. And he could just, 
uh, adapt to any type of environment. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are those things that you're looking in at that time, right? We're talking about Tiff, we're seeing like early superstars in terms of developing talent. Like, yeah. what do you feel like that is, is your contributing sauce? What's that thing that you do when it comes oh, to, to, to developing that's talent that people question. need to know? Beautiful question. Um, well, one thing I'll say, he already knew about the whole, you know, all right, this is my first line. All right, punch me in right here. Mm -hmm. First time I heard, I'm like, oh, shit. He knew the terminology. Dude, wicked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? No pen, no paper, just going there rapping straight up, wow. you know? Yeah, he never, I've never seen him write anything wow. down his whole career. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. MJ and I think Killer Mike, only a few. It's only, they say it's only a few of them out here who could really do that. Walk in the booth, no pen and paper. I'm talking about Jeez. spit. Get down. And then when, it's, when they spit, they, they verse. Do feels, ad libs, and all that. That's crazy. <laughs> hey, his ad lib was stupid. Crazy, like yeah. what you know. Yeah. So um that like I say, his work ethic and the fact that he get it. Mm -hmm. But one thing I can say, I uh, me and Jason, well I, first when I had him before I even brought before we brought Jason into the table, I was like, all right. Listen, man, we're going to have to keep you out of trouble. Mm -hmm. I used to be giving them game like, listen, man, I know you want to hustle, but you can't do it like that. You can't be standing <laughs> out here no more. You're about to be popular, and people are going to be able to identify you right yeah. now. Somewhere you're going to have to stop that. You know, I had to stop it too, yeah. to a degree. Once I saw a check that was more than what I had in my safe, that was I was like, all right, I'm good. Wow. Yeah, I'm good. Like, let me, yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's on. important too, because I think that, that right there, you know, that can, that can fuck up so much. You can Man, have the talent, what? you can have all this right there, but if you're not willing to make that mindset adjustment to say, you know what, let me put the bullshit to the side. Yeah, you know man. And it, but but the, the crazy part about it is that this is what you're rapping about. This is your lifestyle that you're right. talking about. So you, in one instance, you want to keep one foot in because mm -hmm. you have to add the material to talk about that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But so for you to have yeah. the, the knowledge and the insight to be like, look, stay yeah. away from that. And everybody needs that, man. If you're in a high level of things, whether you're an artist, see it, like Javante, Javante mm -hmm. Davis, you know? You got the OGs, which is his trainers, but you know, I guess some of them keeping them in line. Ain't no telling how much more trouble that boy would be done got into right. right now. Did you have somebody that was like that for you? Um, I had a few. You know, I had my uncles. My, you know, I, I was always hanging around cats like five, six years older than me. Anyway, so gotcha. I learned a lot at an early age, bro. A whole lot to where I'm not gonna say I was perfect, but I was my guide. I was already guided to where I could. I, I, I if I got any type of game because I went to get it. Got Nobody it. really didn't have to just say, hey man, hey young, you don't do that. Mm -hmm. Kind of on some hustle shit, I used to, have, you know, I used to, to tell me, hey man, nah, that ain't the right way to do that. Yeah. Like, do that, you know, a different way. But even in the music business, mm -hmm. though, it got to the point where, yeah, my man Magic Mike, you ever heard of DJ Magic Mike mm -hmm. out of Orlando? Mm -hmm. yep. Cheetah Records, him mm -hmm. and this guy named Tom Wright had their own record label selling millions of records, independent back then. So they were really one of the first people out of Florida to really see a bag for real, wow. independent. Luke and them saw a bag, but Magic Mike, do your research on him and the sales that they were making. So Mike, Magic Mike is the first, Magic Mike is the first one who really pulled me to the side and said, don't handle your business because you gotta think, I've been producing since 85. I didn't see a royalty check till 97. Damn. All I was getting was fees and just upfront money. I didn't really understand the whole Back points. In, and, yeah you know, and uh, royalties and whatnot. 
And Mike was like, man, listen, these two books you need to get, man, I read the right chapters. Of course, I didn't read the whole book. Right, right. I just got to the chapters based around <laughs> what the, I wanted. Give me the cliff notes. I need to. Yeah, I got to those particular chapters. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, believe it or not, bro, there's no looking back since then. I finally got my first royalty check from Dr. Doolittle soundtrack. Get out of here. But yeah, but if I wouldn't have talked to Magic Mike, it ain't no telling when I would have finally understood the whole royalty <laughs> game, man, because I was just so happy with getting that upfront money. Gotcha. You know, 1500 when I was younger, but then later on, I was getting 2500 a track. So, you know. When was that first red flag for you to say, like, okay, I got to get my business right? Man, New Jack City soundtrack. <laughs> say it again? New Jack City soundtrack. Okay, I produced that? a song on there called Dick in the Dirt. Two live crew. When Nino, when, um, when they was riding in the Jeep. Yeah. And when G Money was like, hey, man, that's this like the this most popular it. part of the movie. Yeah. That was my music. That's my music playing in the background when he's in the Jeep. Like, man, this girl, this shit hit me. This shit suck dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my track. Dick in the Dirt playing in the background. I did that on the SP 1200. I sampled the Neville Brothers. Yep, do 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 do. But bro, that soundtrack sold like what four or five million from uh, Color Me Bad was mm-hmm. the you know leading single off that. But um, yeah, I want to sex you up. You yeah, yeah, that? yeah, hell yeah. And bro, I didn't see anything. Oh, wow. shit. And once, imagine Mike asked me like, man, I know you saw something off that New Jack City. I'm like, what, what, I, what do about, I be yeah. seeing? I you know, I got my fifteen hundred. He was like, you don't get no royalties. I'm like, nah, man. And I was like, oh my God, I've been fucked. You made fifteen hundred dollars off that. Yeah, yeah. All in. Producer fee. Yeah, just a Damn. You know, signing papers, not knowing that that's not a work knowing. for hire, you know. Yeah. So I don't have no signing off everything, but yeah. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, that's when I uh, had to lock in on that, my business, bro. And never looked back since. I wanna put a button on the on the on the trap music thing. Uh mm-hmm. T I, King of the South. <laughs> who who when he called himself the king, the king of the South, was it unanimously embraced? No. Okay. Um, first, we said it. We were looking at him like, oh, man. Hold on, champ. Yeah, yeah hold on. Yeah, yeah, hold yeah on, there champ. you go. Like, come on, man. You know, I love you. Yeah. You, you, you definitely one of the best yeah. around here. But the king, he said, hell yeah, y'all. You know, like, and, and very confident, chest out and everything. He felt, I was like, you know what? He said, man, anybody got a problem with it, man? Shit, see if they can outbust me. And the first person that tried him was this guy who was deep with, used to be with DTP called, named I-20. Yep, mm-hmm. I know I-20. And Deep-voice. I-20 was calling himself like the king of the South or something around that Similar, time. Yeah. Because I think he, see one thing with Tip, I think Mystical was the prince of the South. <laughs> and Tip like, damn, whoever just called themselves the king, you know? UGK underground kings, but I'm gonna call myself king of the South. Mm. And he knew he was stepping out and he oh, knew what you, type yeah, of you know, yeah, you know what that, that he was going with. to get, but at the same time, he was Straight ready. up, man. I ain't gonna lie. I was like, man, who 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 wanna who wanna step to the throne? Let's go. And uh I 20, man, they battled right on the radio, man, and tip struggled. Damn. Yeah, and dude never had a career since. If if T if T I <laughs> Shout out to I 20. I ain't gonna say he had a career since, but it, it definitely knocked him back. He shouldn't have took that battle. He shouldn't have took that one. He shouldn't have took that one. If That's Tip it. is the king of the South, who's the queen? The queen of the South? If you had to pick one. Mm. Oh man, that's a hell of a question. Queen of the South, hot damn. Hmm. The only active person you may can get that to is Trina. Okay. When you speak of the South, yeah. or if you're talking about just Atlanta, but just no, the South, the Southern South. region. Yeah, sad to say, you can only just get at the Trina, Trina as far as you know, longevity or whatnot. Um, can't really name a whole gang yeah, of records, yeah. but. 
That's the only person I can really Top come of up mind, with. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to talk about real quick because we. I know we. I want to keep you too long, but I want to get Take into. Take your time, brother. We good. Um, Jeezy. Mm-hmm. When Jeezy hit the West Coast, that yeah, was like a like, who is this nigga? <laughs> right? Yeah. Boys in the Hood and all that. Um, um, and my one of my friends, shout out to Tiff, she was in love with Jody Breeze for whatever reason. She's in love with Jody Breeze. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jody now but Jody was a play, is a player too. He yeah, was the Jody girls love Jody yeah. Breeze. Yeah, um, player. But Jeezy, one of my favorite records ever is it was a single, is I Love It, which people don't people don't people never respect the singles, but right. they be like, Oh, you don't like track eight on the I'm like, bro, I just, <laughs> it's one of my favorite Jeezy records ever. Nice. Um, Thank you, man. But when G when Jeezy when when Jeezy came out, I felt like that was like when Fifty Cent came out of New York. The energy around Jeezy. Is, I would give him that. Okay, does that make sense? Yes, I've never. I'm, I'm gonna talk to Drum about that too. But I felt like it was like everybody was like, "This is our guy." Yeah. Right. Is that mm -hmm. is that is that well the case? Well, it, 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 I would say that because, and I, I would agree with that because, see, Jeezy had been an independent artist. Even before Tip got on, he was doing his own thing. Yeah. He had his own label. He put out an album, um, Come Shop With Me. Mm -hmm. It was the soft and the hard, you know what I mean? Just like, you know, shopping with the dope or whatnot. You got the hard side and the soft side. But Jeezy, even if you listen to that album, he was still trying to find his style back then. Figure it out. Yeah, he was trying to figure it out. You know, <clears> he knew he wanted to do this shit, but he was still trying to figure it out. Because if you listen to it, you could tell he was influenced by Trick Daddy mm. out of Miami, Trick Daddy Dollar, shout out. Yep. And um. But then Jeezy eventually, I think when he got with Shawty Red, Shawty helped him really find that, that whole swag as far as the, the way to just glide over the beat. You know, Shawty Red, that's one of the first you know, young producers around here getting that bag too, you know? At an early stage, yeah. he had an uh, artist named Drummer. But um, Jeezy, and then, um, you know, when Jeezy was already, you know, he was out, he was getting down. Yeah. And so when you see him, you know, he was like, oh shit, he got the them four diamond tennis, tennis necklaces on and pulling up in, you know, the convertible six series, Beamer, breaking the lines, paying folks out the club, you know, 200 to break the line and was hanging with Meech and them. So mm -hmm. it was that whole ambience that came with that too, you know, standing on the couch, sounding like new money. It was like, oh shit, that's Jeezy. You know, yeah. He's an artist, he got some stuff coming out. And so, yeah, you know, he was out of uh, Hawkinsville, you know, close to Macon. So a few people, knew that he was from Hawkinsville. A lot of people didn't know, a few people didn't know where he was from, but he was a Georgia boy, so. And um, his cousins was up here, this guy named uh, uh, Dave and Jojo. And Jojo, old school hustler, man, riding around in Ferraris like in 86. <laughs> Before any, you know, only yeah. entertainers and athletes was riding in Ferraris in 86, so Jojo was like one of them guys. Do, uh, um, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about the, um... Oh, cause you you brought up Meech, and we all watching the BMF show. Mm -hmm. Okay, when when BMF <laughs> hit Atlanta, right? What was that like? What's well, funny when BMF when it it wasn't even BMF first because first um I don't want to take it take it too long. I would say around ninety one. Yeah, around ninety. I say like ninety between ninety one and ninety four. You start seeing the Detroit tags come down here a lot. You know the blue tags and whatnot. And um, when Meech first started really hitting Atlanta, it was him and a lot of other grown, it was like some older cats with him. And, um, and it was Club 112. And so in the at Club 112, you would have a section where you have the, the Atlanta dudes, you know, from the west side. You had the New York crew over here. 
You might have some Milwaukee, because a lot of Milwaukee players came down here too. Atlanta always been the hub, keeping it a hundred. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then Detroit cats will be over there. You'll see Meech and all of them used to be dressed in black, you know, and um, just, just in their little part, they had, used to have a little section of the club, just popping bottles, you know, on some real player stuff. So we knew Meech from, from that, you know what I mean? But then later on, I think that's when, um, when he met the guys from Cali yeah. and Blue and them, that's when they, they um, talked them into like, hey man, let's start an entertainment company and Got you. put some artists out here. You're making a lot of money though, you know, going and invest in us. Right. And that's when the BMF started. So, so when Meeks first started coming, it was just, he was just a Detroit player. It wasn't right. even no BMF attached to it. But then when they started, when they started getting into the music, I felt like it was a... Oh man, it was awesome. First of all, the attraction, uh, what what made people so interested in that is the word got out like, hey man, there's some dudes who coming through Magic City spending like no less than a hundred, maybe seventy thousand dollars a night. You saw them do that? Yeah, yeah, on several occasions. Man, boys, yeah, that was the real make it rain. Enough money to kick around like leaves, bro. So they were spending wait, Say okay, good. them boys was throwing no less than seventy five to a hundred thousand every Monday night. Really, almost every club they went to because they used to just. Monday was the Magic City, but then they used to go to, like, to um, pinups and all the different clubs. And when you see all them Ferraris out there, you just know them boys spending no less than 75K in every club they hit. And that's, they used to hit more than one per night sometimes. That's crazy. So, yeah. I want to talk about hit records because, I mean, you, you got multiple under your belt. But a lot of people say, I've heard, I heard a lot of producers and a lot of artists say that, damn, I didn't even know it was going to be that shit when we first recorded it. Yeah. So oh, okay. I'm going to name off some tracks. You tell me what the mindset was when you guys first started it and, and when it actually blew up and did it match the energy when you guys were first in the studio. Uh, what you know about that? So what yeah. you know, mm. I'm going to tell you, just that instrumental alone made people's eyebrows go up like, mm. damn, dog, what's that? Yeah. What the hell is that? Yeah. Some chord progressions, you know, from yeah. that uh, Roberta Flack, they're going away. <clears throat> and that's something I was loving that song since I was a kid, man. That's one of my little needle drop joints back when I was like, like I say, nine, 10 years old. Um, but when Tip, when we first got uh, started playing with it, Tip just did the hook first. Mm -hmm. You know, he was pacing around. He was like, turn the mic on. So I played it for him and he was like, geez, by the trees, on his shirt, by the shirt back. Look, I was like, ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> no verbs, it was mm -hmm. just a hook. Mm -hmm. Man, everybody stuck their head in the room like, bro, that shit is out of here. So it was stand out from every other thing that had been created. Everything that okay. else that we have done. So you not, knew. not saying not not shitting on anything right, right, that right. done, but that particular song mm -hmm. just had everybody excited. Like, boy, that this is about to be some shit. You can't tell me nothing, Kanye West. Can't tell me nothing. I, I heard about the different versions of how that yeah, how it came, came together, together. But initially, I, 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 it, it was it was so different. Mm -hmm. I liked it though, as far as the creator, especially with the oh, yeah, and the effect that they put on that woman's <clears> voice, man, that's really made it so unique. But on uh, the minute I heard what Ye was saying on there, I was like, oh yeah, this is it. This is out of here. So said, when when you, but okay, how'd you get the record to Ye? Like how did y'all end up collabing? That call? Okay, oh well, well, Can't Tell Me Nothing come from a song that I produced for Jeezy mm -hmm. called I Got Money. Right. Uh, which was featuring um, T.I. So Ye was like, that was one of his favorite songs off the album, which wasn't even a single. Back to that, you know, like people yeah. can like the singles, but then you got some people who just... Track eight. Yeah, it's track one. eight could be their favorite record, you know? Um, and Ye was like, hey, I want to get on the record. And so when he got on it, 
Jesus and them were like, all right, cool, cool. Yeah, it's cool, but you're talking about something different. <laughs> but he was really talking about getting money, but he was just speaking of the whole thing of how money could just change your, your mindset and how you could just not see certain shit. So you can't tell me nothing because I'm getting it now. Mm -hmm. So Ye was like, hey, man, well, let me just do a remix, man, because mm -hmm. I got a whole other concept that I want to do to this. And Jeezy was like, hey, man, well, I'm, I, if you want to get into that, let me just plug you in with Toon because he got the files. He's the original he that creator, guy. and I'm going to let y'all get together and do that. And really, man, that's really the start of me and Kanye uh, just even working, period. Word. Is that Jeezy connect right there. That's yeah. So how did Jeezy's ad-lib stay up? Well, because cause we still had the original track, the um the files, the whole session to yeah. I Got Money. But what we did was took certain instruments out. We took my horns out, kept my drums and Jeezy's ad-libs, and we just built the whole new the orchestra with it, you know, with the, with the strings and the, changed the bass line and whatnot. So... Boom. When did Jeezy find out he was on the record? <laughs> well, Jeezy, because um, it's that sauce on the when it, song when it hit, too. When yeah. it came out, so Jeezy found out that he was on the record when it came out. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a because see what happened. Jeezy wasn't really fond of the remix. He was just like, man, and, and he was like, and Ye was like, well, can we just can I just make a new song mm -hmm. off of what you want? Yeah, and boom, that's what that's what he ended up doing. So he ended up eventually getting on the remix, but yeah, can't tell me nothing, bro. Magic, magic, magic. Um, I'm gonna do. Oh, go ahead. This, this just Big Brother with with, with Kanye and Jay, um, <laughs> yeah. putting that together and kind of hearing what what Ye was talking about on that record, and you know him and Jay kind of you know having their, yeah. their situation, but that kind of him extending the olive branch. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like when when you first heard the song after it was together, uh, what were your thoughts after you know what was being put put together? Well, it was funny, man. That's when we was still down here working on the album. We was at uh, Doppler Studios. And Ye was like, right before I left the studio, Ye was like, hey, man, I got this idea, man. He said the hook. He was like, my big brother is big. I'm like, okay, I'm bobbing my head to it. I'm like, okay. I'm like, say that shit again. And so I started tapping my feet on some BPM shit. I'm like, all right, I got that. I got that. I said, man, tomorrow I might be about an hour late because I'm going to be working on that all Ooh. night. And I came through, man, and I uh, just put the whole melody to it. And the original melody I was going to do was... Um, with Prince, it's gonna be lonely. Wow. And because I used to love the most some most most of the old school records that you done heard me either interpolate or either sample, it's the end of the record. Because mm -hmm. there's something about the mm -hmm. end of a lot of these soul records, man, that where it just put like, foot into it. Or the solo part. is right yeah. there too. Yeah, yeah, and that's that part. So and um where was I? What was I? What was I? What was I? Oh, and um told him you was gonna be late. Yeah, I told him I was gonna be late. And <clears throat> I gave him, when I brought the beat, he was like, oh my God, that shit is crazy. And so he rapped on it and he laid, he laid some of it down, but he didn't finish because I think he had the tour. And then we ended up moving from down here and, and finished the album in New York. Mm -hmm. So we got to New York, I finally heard the whole record. I'm like, oh my God, this is out of here, bro. Yeah. And cause I just heard my big brother is Big's brother. I didn't know it was gonna be a song, speaking of Jay-Z. Wow. But what's funny about that song is that the word had got around Def Jam that Ye got a song talking about Jay. Mm -hmm. And they wasn't, they wasn't. And they didn't know if it was good or bad. Right. It was just like, and Jay wanted to come hear it. So I was there when Jay heard came the first time. and heard it for the first time. What was that was like? like? His reaction. It was like tense a little bit, you know. Like <laughs> Jay, you know, Jay, you know, but you know, man, yeah. come on, he wanted the coolest motherfuckers in the world. He was just like, yeah, you know. Yeah, so let's hear did the you, song. Did you press play? 
Nah, the engineer press. Then, okay, so y'all I was sitting, sitting, I was sitting at the mixing board. Okay, so y'all sitting there, and Jay and Hove walk in. Hove and Jay Brown. Yeah. Okay, and they sit down, and he's like, "All right, play the record." Yeah. You know, at first we just you know talk, you know, had a little small talk first, you know, just about whatever, you know, like you know he, because me and him had met a while back, so he's just like, "Huh, you again?" He's like, "Well, you putting in work?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Man, we like to go in." So like, I'm like, "All right." Bet. Not knowing that that was going to happen, yeah, happen for real. Yeah. But um, it was crazy. I ended up having to do another version to that record because Prince, first he didn't want to clear it. And then second, and later on, he hit us like, hey, man, y'all can use it, but I got to own 100% of it. Damn. And so Def Jam flew me back here because I didn't bring that particular laptop back to Atlanta because we had already had recorded it. So because I was working off two or three different Macs at mm -hmm. that point. So I had to come back down here and make a new version of Big Brother. While so, the limo sitting outside the studio, they flew me down there. Nobody even knew I was back down here yet. Oh my God. Limo straight from the airport, straight to my studio in the West End. I went right upstairs, opened that laptop up, pulled up that whole beat, and was used the same instruments. I had to move the melody around and make a whole new melody off of that. And next thing you know, bruh, shit, man, I say about an hour and a half, I'm jumping back in the limo. Back to the airport. Another flight. Wait for me to get back to uh, New York. Damn. And, I, and they lined all the vocals up with the new beat. And and that was a drum roll moment, too, because Jay was like, man. this He hadn't this, heard it. Yeah, this new one better sound. Woo! And he ended up loving that one more than the original. That's amazing. That is crazy. Because that's, that's literally a roll of a dice right yeah, there. Yeah, and when Jay heard it, he was just like, hey, man, that's a nice song. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's how you feel, man, you know? Yeah. And uh, next thing you know, he was just like, hey, man, we got to get up soon. That's amazing. So that get up soon turned into say hello. Yep. Okay. How did, that, how did that go down? American Gangster. American Gangster. I got a call from Big John Platt. And John hit me. He was like, yo, you know, I know everybody talking about Jay-Z about to retire. But, um, you know, he's going to do this American Gangster album, you know. Fly to New York. Come on. You know, I know you got money. You got to pay for your whole hotel <laughs> and everything. Get on up here. Shit, I get up there, man, and shit, you got Jermaine Dupree, No ID, Ooh. Um, Usher, <clears throat> Jay, shit, Guru, my man L Rock, everybody in the studio. We just chilling, and and then dude was like, Jay was like, hey man, I done heard been listening to beats all day. <clears throat> I'm gonna just let you play three tracks. I'm like, for real? That's bullshit. <laughs> For real? Yeah, he's like, man, only three tracks, dog. I said, man. So I played the original track, you know, with no samples first. Of course, you're going to try to get that on. And he was like, okay, that's cool. And my manager was like, man, go on and play that shit. And so the one track I was, you see it on YouTube, I was actually putting it together, knowing that that was the one I was going to take to New York. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've seen the footage called Benzino walking to the room. Nah. Yeah, it's a part, yeah, when I was working on the Say Hello track. It's on YouTube. So, um, when I played that one, man, and I was sitting next to Guru at the mixing board, and Jay was just back there bobbing his head. Next thing you know, shit, he hit the booth. He just went in the booth. And knocked it out. He didn't say nothing to nobody. Yeah, he was just like, he mumbling a little bit. I was mumbling at first, like, he's like, what you doing over there? I was just like, and he was just watching me for about like a minute or two. Then he went back to his shit. So we just letting the beat play. Man, shit, he went to that booth. Once again, no pen, no paper. Because mm, you see Tip do it before. See Tip do it. And, I, and I, I've been hearing about the whole one take hold mm. type shit. Yeah, he went in and knocked that shit out, bro. And uh, Jermaine Dupree is on the hook. That's who I was. Say hello. Oh, That's wow. That's Jermaine Dupree saying that part. 
Get Jeez. the fuck out yeah. of here. Jermaine was like, cause, cause Jay was like, say hello to the bad guy. And, and JD was like, they say I'm the bad. I wanna, yeah, he was like, let me enhance that say hello. And JD went in there and just put that shit to it. Yeah, it was dope. That's crazy. Yeah. So shout out to JD. You know, so, I got a song on um, I got a song with currency, Fortune Five Hundred. I produced that one. Fire. Um You like that? Yeah, hell yeah. Thank you, bro. Yeah. Uh Good Life. Ah. Mm. Yay. Yes, sir. Is that just because y'all were working together at yeah, the, around that, that, that time? Yeah, that, that happened. All that magic happened in the Doppler studio okay. down here in Atlanta. Yes, sir. Real quick, the, in terms of the, the, the timing of was was Good Life, which, if you had the, which was the order, the order of each song? Was it? Can't Tell Me Nothing, mm -hmm. Good Life, then Big Brother. Got it. Okay. Um, the influence of trap music now, because we were talking about Hove. Mm -hmm. So I'm going Beyonce now. Drunken Love. Yep. You got the song Seven Eleven. Mm -hmm. uh, wouldn't you? Would you say that the trap music directly influenced those? Hell yeah, all okay. day. For okay. Sure. Definitely. And what? Where? Where's the influence in those records? Specifically, those two. It's the 808. The whole drive. The tempo. Just the, the bounce. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know the anthem type of, you know, yeah. orchestration around it. Yeah, it's trapped out. You know, definitely with the 808 and the whole. The whole bounce of it. Staying with the ladies, who would you credit as the first woman do, to do trap music? Wow. That's interesting. Because um, we were talking earlier. Uh, damn, that's a good one. I'm trying to work one. that one out. Um, I can almost give it to, uh, oh man, my girl them Diamond and, um, um, Diamond from Crime Mob? Yeah, the Crime mm -hmm. Mob. Yeah, I could kind of give it to them. Okay. Diamond and, uh, Princess. Yeah. Prince. So I was thinking, so we were, we were trying to figure this out, right? Uh, shout out to PB. We were trying to figure it out. We were like, I don't know. We kind of was going back and forth. I think it was, oh, rest in peace to Gangsta Boo. Boo. Yes. Gangsta um, Boo. See, that was Crunk. That was Crunk. So yeah. that, so it's it, that's what I'm saying. It's different, right? Yeah. But trap. you would say Diamond, the first the first female rapper. Yeah, yeah. To do trap yeah, music. Yeah, them Diamond and Princess. Yeah. Diamond and Princess. Was, what I love about this is that somebody in the comments will be like, "Oh, you didn't name so and so." Right, right. right. Okay. You gonna get that? Yeah, you gonna get that. Even after saying their name, I'm still trying to right. think of somebody else. It's like females. Uh, that, that's a great question. Um, I just couldn't figure it. out. I, I mean, you would know, but you know what, Rashida, mm. Rashida from uh, yeah. Rashida had jumped on a few little, few, but it was still crunk then when she got in there. Yeah. And even they were kind of crunk. Now I think about it, crime mob them, but it was, yeah, it was more. You know what? It's hard to say because now when I think of crime mob, that that's kind of like crunk too. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. it is. It, I, I, that's why I was like uh, stiletto. Ah, you punk. want me to tell you who did it first? Oh. Foxy Brown on the Dope Boys really? in the Trap remix. Oh wow. Oh. Yes. If you find it on the street, in the street, we um. Mixtape that we put out. Ooh. Foxy Brown came down here, her and her brother Gavin, and she got on the Dope Boys in the Trap remix. And that shit hard. So I she would be the, the, organs first, thing on the first female rapper to rap over trap Over music. some trap shit. Got I it. give it to doggone got Foxy it. Brown. Wow, yes, that's, that's amazing to hear that. Yes. So wait, wait, wait. Not the first female rapper to rap on trap music. Yeah. The first female rapper to do trap music. So oh, she's saying, trap yeah, music. he's saying okay, that's well. the first female to rap over trap music. Yeah, she okay. definitely got on that Dope Boys in the okay. Trap remix. Got it. 
Got you know it. what I mean? And that shocked a lot of people, just even the whole, right, but yeah. you know, relate, relate, you know, the whole thing with them, her coming down here, jumping on the Southern record. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Um, so the first female rapper to, to rap on trap to music rap is from New York. Trap. That's interesting. To, to rap, rap on, on yeah. trap music. Well, that was, that's the first one I could think of. Yeah. Foxy Brown getting on that Dope Boys in the Trap remix. But like you're saying, but back to the first female to actually do it, to have that, a song, not like a feature. Boy, that's hard to say. Yeah. Yeah, and see, and I'm trying to not just think of the '06 to '08 era. Yeah, I'm trying to think even after that, later on, if even if it's 2010, like who could I say would deserve to to earn that title? My God, it's hard to say, yeah, dog. Comments, I wish that's I could a good question. Yeah. The comments gonna yeah, let us know. That's a good one. Sure. Oh, no, no, for sure. Somebody like, oh, it's so and so. You be like, oh, mm-hmm. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would love to see them comments later on too. The, 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 the homie G Malone gave us a great story about how he linked up with you, and you gave him one with Certified. Man, man Certified man. was our Thank first you, big bro. one. What I was very impressed with is your willingness to work with them off of, you know, he said West Coast Cam hit him up, or mm-hmm. I think he hit West Coast Cam. Or Cam, Cam, um, um, not Cam. Uh, uh, I think it was Cam. Cam called you. No, it was somebody else. Well, let, let him tell the story. How, know, how did he... Mac 10? I know he was with Mac 10. Yeah, right, right. Uh, who called me for that G Malone? Um, my gosh. Well, the important part about it was mm-hmm. that he, he went to Atlanta for the first time mm-hmm. and got up with you, called you, and you was like, hey, man, look, yeah, pull up on me. And yeah. In the first day, first session, y'all created Certified. Yeah, he came to the studio in the Acon West Acon just pulled up. Yeah, no, Cam. Cam called Acon. Cam called Acon. That's okay. what Acon pulled up to the studio. Yeah. 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 But but the fact that you guys, you guys created something, some magic within, like, the first session, man. What was the guy name? I'm trying to think of Dog Skin Dude, who was kind of the A&R of that. Boo. Um, was it Boo? No. Not Boo? No, it's another dude. Uh, Malik. 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 God damn it. There you go. Yep. Malik. Shout out to Malik. That's who put that. Yep. Yeah, Malik okay. played a major part in that. Shout out okay. to Malik. Got Malik. It, got it, got it, that's yep. who it was. I ain't seen him in years, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's who, yeah. Malik played, made a, played a major so, part. But your that. willingness, like to Chuck's point, your willingness to work with somebody who, even with me, like, you mm-hmm. just about off a reference, like, yo, so-and-so want to get with you. All right, it's all good. Yeah, that's because when a solid guy hits you, you know, on something, he'd be like, okay, if you solid, I know whoever you Bring it to me. It's got to be a hundred. You know, right, what I, mean? right. I work off you know the vibe and the energy of that person exactly. and what they bring. So I feel like you know, yeah, as men, everybody kind of know. Like okay, I know I can put these two together. I know they'll be all right. And boom, there it is. When you when you were doing certified, did you already have that or you cooked it up? Mm-hmm. No, I cooked that up. You cooked yeah. that up, and that's why I felt. I, you got to work off the vibe too. That's mm-hmm. why. Sometimes when artists call me and say, "Man, send some music," send me a pack. It's like it's like <laughs> shooting at a at an invisible target because mm-hmm. it's like I don't know what you own now, you know. And I'm not trying to judge off what I've heard from you last. You mm-hmm. might want something totally different. Mm-hmm. Do you prefer somebody to reach out to you and ask you for, "Oh, give me, send me that da 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 shit," or do you want sometimes them to- uh, first first my first prep. Thing I would prefer, let me fly up there to see what the hell you're doing. Let me gotcha. just catch a vibe. Too. Yeah, so I can cook. Yeah, let me sit down and see where your head at. Let me mm-hmm. see what you got going on. Let me hear you come and say, I'm like, okay, I know what to give you. Mm-hmm. I know what you, I know what you deserve. Okay. Yeah. And um, and sometimes yeah, if you give, if you now that helps if you ask for a certain thing, just like the E40 band. Right, man, amazing. And by the way. thank you, man. Mm-hmm. And 40 was like, yo, he kind of said, man, I want, I want to give me a certain type of energy, you know, mm-hmm. just some, you know. The only reason why I brought it up because a lot of it just depends on either the, who the artist is or whatever. Sometimes people get offended by that. Like, 
Yeah, okay, you know me. I think we think uh, we were talking to Hit Boy, and Hit mm-hmm. Boy was like, at, when when niggas in Paris came out, everybody's like, send me the niggas. niggas Give me in Paris one of them. Back. Give me one of Give them. Give me one of them. He's like, like that don't right, mean that's gonna work I for got, you. Yeah, I got I got more shit. You know what I'm saying? So I was yeah. wondering your your thought process when artists come and, to you um, directly for stuff. Yeah, and it's it's honestly, and it's cool for artists to make that request, but a lot of times I love to catch that vibe, man. Because mm-hmm. um, you might get around some artists, and I hear what he's working on, I'd be like, oh, okay, let me. I want to go into my hip hop band. Yeah. I want to use these type drums. Mm-hmm. You know, I want no 808 on this song. I want straight live drums. This right here gonna be more rhythm. It's gonna be a musical joint. And then it might be in a mode where you say, all right, I'm gonna give you a beat driven beat. You know, mm-hmm. uh, just beat driven. You know, maybe a little music, but crazy 808s and just the bounce, just the feel. But then you know, it it, it varies, man. But you know, you got some artists. Uh, the more lyrical artists are the ones who re- re- request more music. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, we're going to wrap up, but I want to say, I want to uh, ask you real quick, what advice would you give to up and coming producers? Up and coming producers. It's a few things I would say, man. Um, once you realize that you uh, can create music and that you've gotten good at it, and you have played a few beats for the people in your neighborhood or some of your classmates, and once they tell you you're dope, or you may go to a beat battle and win a few beat battles. It's no longer a hobby at that point, depending on how far you want to go, you know? Um, somewhere in the equation, you got to learn the game, you know? Pick up a book, Donald Passman. There's a few little music industry books now to understand. And I would, I definitely wouldn't want them to go gee, almost 20, 15 years and not see a royalty check. Man. Right. You know what I mean? Even off the Shadi stuff. I didn't get no royalties off none of that. So That's crazy. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of records I put out between 85 and 97. That you know, <laughs> I'm trying to register them now though. Right, right. Hell you know yeah. what I mean? But um, I would say you know, learn your business, man. Um, learn the business. Um, try to be innovative. Don't use the drum packs that everybody using. You know, a lot of producers starting to sound alike right now, and that's why we came into the game, man. It was more about uniqueness. Same thing with rappers. You know, if you hear somebody else use a sample, oh, I ain't gonna use that because such and such used it, or. Oh, I ain't gonna do my drums like that. Oh, that this beat remind me of Swiss beats. Oh, this beat remind me of such and such. And let me turn the machine off and start on a whole new beat. Yeah. So try to be innovative, man. You know, try to bring something to the table that something fresh. A lot of cats just be, you know, glad to swim in the pool. I want to make a splash. Mm, I love you that. know what I mean? I so like you just yeah, try to you know try some new drums, man. And uh, like I say, learn the game. Um, get a good a good attorney. You know. Find a good attorney on deck, you know, who you can go to, you know, just pick his brain on a few things. Of course, you might have to hit him with a little retainer. But if you're talented, super talented, if he see that in you, that particular um, uh, entertainment lawyer may work something out with you, like especially that. if he see that you're getting some type of traction. Everybody, you know, don't have that retainer to put down for an attorney or whatnot. So it's a few of them out there that, that are helping you out. I do want to have you just mention this because we, we talked about it off camera, but I would love to hear your thoughts on camera and for the audience for sure. Your thoughts on AI and where the industry is going nowadays as a producer and, you know, somebody is an executive in this in this business. Like, yeah. what are your thoughts on it? Does it does it scare you? Do you do you see the... Embrace it? Embrace it? Like, what well, are your thoughts? Like I said, yeah, man. Honestly, for me, um, being in the game so long, man, and, and have just being able to touch all these different type of machines to where, just think, the first drum machine, the, the, uh, a drum player felt like they was gonna be out of business. Yeah. Because you got all these drums, and next thing you know, you start hearing a lot of these songs in the 80s 
He was no That's... longer a live drummer, you know. Yeah. Was there still respected, <clears throat> just for the craft and the skill, mm. but it got to the point where a lot of 80s records were being produced with drum machines. Mm -hmm. And drummers felt like, oh man, that's some bullshit. And next thing you know, you had synthesizers or not, you know, all these different type of, you know, synth claviers and all these different synths. But synths didn't really simulate anything. Synthesizer was a new sound. Mm. So that was like an alien itself. Just, a, you know, all that. <coughs> yeah. So synths was really synths. But then these people started making these keyboards workstations is what they called them like a rolling phantom a triton uh motif and all of them to where they had the drums the horns oh, the strings shots. all these yeah this you could get the whole band in this one thing so that's that was like the first level of ai when you really think about it mm -hmm. if you really that's yeah yeah that that them took over the whole band so you had you think about all the, you know, L.A. and Babyface, all them big R&B records. Mm. A lot of those were done with sequences. It wasn't no bands, you know. Some of them had bands as far as somebody might play some live pianos on certain stuff, but you were still able to do what a band could do just off one keyboard. One keyboard, yeah. And that eliminated, that took away a lot of jobs. Yeah. And a lot of musicians who were getting paid, you know, for sessions or whatnot, hell yeah, they were scratching their head trying to figure that out. Yeah. So it's, it's one of them situations even back then those guys like the Jimmy Jam and Lewis, yeah, they were mu live musicians, but they knew, hey, we got to get up with this technology yep. and learn this. Have to embrace, and be it, in embrace that. it. Just like the the that, that classic interview with um, Barry White. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, man, everything's about to be done in computers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now that we got this AI thing, it really ain't too much difference because we were programming these drum machines to do what a band do. So now we yeah, are so it. advanced. So now you could just type it in and say, hey, make that request. Give me a country version of T.I. Motivation, you know? Let me do a, let's see a orchestra version of what you know about that. And you embrace it. And, you and on top of that, it. if your business is right, you're going yeah, to eat off Yeah, I still own the rights to it. Right. So, <laughs> now let's get into this. Right. I'm one of those guys. I've always been this guy, man. I'm. I, if everybody going this way, I'm going to find this other way. They're going to be like, damn, too, how you got that before us? Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful that I'm not in a hurry to sell my catalog to anybody. Mm -hmm. But I feel that where technology is going, it's going to be a flip, man, to where the royalty rates and the money is going to be so crazy. Because for a person to cut all these people, if you heard, yeah, yeah. 30 to 70, 000, 70 million dollars. Facts. Just know that they have done some type of research. Oh, they've done all the math. It's 100x and of to that. Know. So my whole goal is to be stay healthy and live long enough to watch this shit when it flips and Cash to get out. what I get. Well, get no, what I, I deserve. I just I just partnered with a company. I can't talk about it, but I just partnered with a company, and we're doing the exact, that exact thing that you're talking about. Yeah, because I and I and mm -hmm. I'm I'm thankful that I'm I don't have to do that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. My first real check, I bought some acres, man. Yeah. You know what I mean. Twenty, right? Yeah. Start flipping cars. I've been flipping cars before then, you know, but then now I, I'm at a whole nother level when it comes to that. I don't have a lot, but I just know how to keep them in warehouses and just flip cars. Just, you know, okay, everybody want that. I called it for a low price. Fix it up. Boom. Mike, yeah. by the time I'm done with it, I'm making like 10000 off each car. No less than eight grand. Right. So, but back to that. Hell yeah, man. Technology is about to go somewhere to where the royalty rate is about to go up and our music is about to be way more valuable than we think. 
And these people who are buying these they know, they know. catalogs know something, man. And dude, straight up, I mean, who wouldn't want a seventy million, you know, wide to that? Have you gotten an offer yet for your catalog? I had a few offers. Yeah, and you just it, holding, you just waiting. It's cool. I'm just waiting. Yeah. Is there a number that you're waiting on, or are you just kind of just kicking back and seeing? Honestly, it? <clears throat> um, it's not really even a number, man. Okay. Cause straight up, I'm gonna tell you, I, 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 and not like I'm scared of money. I didn't. I've been getting money. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know you only you only on, worked a on real both job. Both sides of it. Yeah. <laughs> been getting money. So when I got my first million. I would say, wow, okay, that's cool, baby. Yeah. <laughs> cool. That's nice. flex right it's there. Nice. And then another check came. It was like, all right. What's the biggest check you gotten? Uh, my first, oh, that was all on one check? All yeah, on one check. all yeah, on one check. Like 1. 2, Are 1. you 2. serious? All on one check, yeah. Did I you, do like, you take that to, to like Wells Fargo or like? Nah, <laughs> I just tell you, I, I kept it for a like, while and showed it to the people who I, you know, who I, who love me and yeah. who I love. They're like, hey, man, look at this shit. Let me show you something. Come here. You know, like, what the fuck? Do you still got the, the stub? Yeah, I still got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what do you copy. do? What, do you literally just take that to the bank? Yeah, just take it to the bank. Go on and do it, you know? And just put your mind, you know, get, got to get your mind right. Because my whole thing right now, let's say somebody just wired $70 million to your account. What you going to do? You have to do something. Either you give a, see, me, I'm, I'm the business is right. You got to have a plan. Yeah. You got to say, all right, I'm going to put a skyscraper over here. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to develop this land that I've been sitting on and paying taxes on. But to just have that, just to go buy another Ferrari nah, and go to Icebox and buy more jewelry, that's not what I'm, not, not nah, me. Nah. I'm with you. Yeah, you know, I'm, 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 I'm doing some major things, but I would want to, you got to have a plan, man, when you get that kind of money. That's why you see a lot of people um, win the lottery and just taxes alone and knock their ass off. And they'll be right. broke in because, a couple yeah, years. They don't you know, know what to do. Once you in the system, you in there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So and 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 if it's just sitting in the bank, you getting taxed for the for, for all the interest that you it's you you, you gotta let your so money you work for you. Make that money work. You got to get it active. So you got a lot of people who's taking these deals, but still don't know money yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? But my whole thing, I know money, but at the same time, I'm just thankful that I can really sit back and say, "Hey, man, I, I hear y'all, but let me just tell me hold on, see what's going on because something is going on now, even with this AI, right?" I feel that everybody who still own their catalog is going to eat crazy off of AI because just think, when you say, hey, give me a tomb type beat, the fact that you say <coughs> tomb, yeah. my royalty's got to be there. Yeah, yeah. Or I'll be able to sue the shit out of y'all. You said my name. So if you ask it for this feel and I could play something, just like, think about it. Um, what was the Robin Thicke song with T.I.? Blurred Lines. Blurred Lines. Mm -hmm. They didn't sample Marvin Gaye. It was the feel. Yeah. And it did feel like got to give it up. You, 100%. You, you heard it. So the minute that this AI or whatever plays something that sound like one of my joints, especially if you made the request, yeah. give me a tune type beat, or if it sound like any of my shit so, so close. Yeah, this my whole thing, long as they not trying, long as nobody is getting jerked around, long as we got it worked out, yeah. hey, yo, AI, you can put all my music out. As long as I understand we got to, Understanding what my percentage gonna be of every download or whatever stream stream yeah. that y'all use, as long as we got that business right, man, y'all can use you can do whatever. I'm not afraid of any of that, and that's why I feel that that's gonna bring the value of our music up because that's why a lot of people start selling their catalogs because in the system with this whole streaming thing, they made us feel like our music was no longer as valuable. Thanks. But in reality, <clears throat> it really up. is. It's way ten times more valuable yeah. because. Earlier, when you said something about how 
our music, it'll, it'll start down here and it'll take a while for it to get to New York. Yep, now it'll it's take everywhere. a while for West Coast. So just imagine like that, like Spider-Man when he shoot his web. So you put something out, all right, it's going to cover Nebraska, uh, California, and Seattle. Boom, it's covering the West Coast. And you shoot over here and it's going to cover the South or the North. It's going to get Philly, Connecticut, New York, and maybe Maryland. You shoot down here and it's going to take a while for those distributors or those trucks or planes to fly those songs to these regions now man you just hit enter it's there Go and on. the whole planet can get your shit mm -hmm. <coughs> yeah that alone lets you know that our music is way more valuable mm -hmm. because it can be distribution come on man so yeah. now as an independent artist you put something out man you might get a, you might not be hitting for shit in your city but next thing you know a promoter in brazil hitting you like man yo man you can barely it. hear what the hell he's saying. <laughs> hey, man, well, how much you talk for sure, man? We want to get you over here in Brazil. Your song is hot. Yeah. And all you did was hit enter. You ain't even signed to nobody. Right. You just made a hot-ass record and, and, and put a nice video to it. And, and if it catch on a whole other side of the planet, that's hey, just man, from you, you know? I feel like that's a whole other conversation in general. And mm -hmm. we could go all day on that, but... I just want to say this before before we wrap. Like I appreciate you, yeah. man. Like oh man, thanks the game for me, and bro. the wisdom and just yeah. all of my favorite producers are DJs. Okay, all of nice. them. I mean, nice. all the best producers are DJs. Yeah. All of them. J Most J of them cut hair too. <laughs> or even draw or paint. JD, <laughs> you know Dre, yep. like yep. all of Manny. Manny don't get the credit he deserves. All, every, all, of, on, all, of, all of the best producers are DJs, Come and on. I just I just want to say that you know publicly I appreciate you give it to Manny and what you and what you and what you done for 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 not only your region but for hip-hop yeah. So yeah for hip-hop yeah appreciate you yeah, yeah. dj tune man. man thank you for the conversation the jewels right. and just your time brother man it's homegrown radio hey, what y'all thought about that song i did for game which one welcome to come mm, mm, oh bro mm, i gotta listen to it again i don't remember oh i know it was cool i i would be, be honest with you i want to hear dj tune at 100 bpm Okay. Oh, I go crazy. I I haven't heard DJ Tube at 100 BPM yet. Oh, I can do that. So that's what I want to hear. Okay. Because yeah, it's, yeah. So, that's something I always gave JD credit for, mm -hmm. and um, JD and and um and Manny and Tim is mm -hmm. they always gave me tempo. Mm -hmm. And so I understand like yo like your tempo between 75 and 85 mm -hmm. BPM, and you don't produce in double. My hundred so, may have been that the last one that may have been in that uh close to 100 may have been that um. Uh, you're looking good, so I just showing that ass. Maybe he's mm -hmm. But that was some of the first album that you ain't right. did. Okay, yeah. I didn't, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. And that but was, your closest one that was, to me, the biggest one that reached me was uh, I Love It. I Love It, yeah. That and was I love more up-tempo. 91. 91, right. And I still was scratching the surface on that one. Yeah, you're you right. You got over here. Yeah, so like, <laughs> oh, you know, good, I, I know all of them. What yeah. you know about that is I know all of your tempos. Yeah. But I'm just saying, That's like, good. I want to hear Toomp at 100 BPM. At 100? Okay. Yeah. Oh, Next conversation know. we have, we're going to have that, that Toomp at 100. You know yeah, not in double, though. All the, all the producers, a lot of producers, most producers in the South produce in double time. Right. Um, so you produce in real time, which is like, because well, oh. you're doing real chords. Yeah. Which is like, which is what I can respect. But, but I still be having to double. If it's 70, it's 140. No, I, I, I understand mm -hmm. that, but they doubling, they doubling, it's a technical conversation, <laughs> but, um, you don't, uh, you don't know me is producing double. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. Check. Okay. Yeah. Nice. But I would love to hear you at 100 BPM. But go All ahead. All right. Yeah. We'll get 100 out. Yeah. yeah. DJ Toon, man. Appreciate you, brother. It's home okay. on radio. Thank you, man. DJ. All the way from the West Coast. Yes, yeah. Thank you, fellas. Yeah, yeah, man. Glad to be a part. We'll catch y'all next time.